This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Dean Fayello? Dean Fayello was born in Belleville, New Jersey on August 31, 1959. His family moved to Madison, New Jersey when he was three years old. His parents separated when he was 12. He graduated from high school in 1977. His classmates voted him most likely to succeed. Dean went to college immediately after graduating. He wanted to be an engineer, but dropped out after five semesters. He worked in construction for several years. During this time, he would party in New York City and use excessive quantities of drugs and alcohol. According to Dean, he contracted HIV. Dean made this information public. Later, he even told the media about it. In 1988, Dean started working at a spa in New York City, which was owned by a man named Michael Hart. One of the services the spa offered was laser hair removal. Dean learned how to do this and was quite successful. He would later earn a certification in this area. Dean bought a Victorian house on Elwood Avenue in Newark, New Jersey. He and Michael Hart became romantically involved. Michael moved in with Dean. Michael was a reformed drug dealer who also had HIV. He worked diligently to keep Dean off of drugs and alcohol. For example, he made him regularly attend AA meetings. The couple separated not long before Michael died from AIDS in November 1995. Without the positive influence of Michael, Dean returned to heavy drug and alcohol use. In the spring of 1996, Dean went to work for a dermatology clinic in New York City run by a physician named Lori Paulus. Dean performed laser hair removal at that clinic. He was well-liked and financially successful. He had only been there a short time when he told Lori that he had AIDS and needed to go to Florida to spend time with his family before he died. She was upset that he was sick and understood why he wanted to leave. Instead of going to Florida, Dean started his own clinic on the Upper East Side of Manhattan called Skin Ovations and started competing with his former employer. He had phenomenal success at that location. He was attracting wealthy and famous clients and earning a lot of money. Around this time, Dean met a designer named Greg Bach. They became romantic partners and Greg moved into Dean's house in 1998. Greg noticed that Dean was up all night, every night, he wondered if Dean was using drugs. As it turns out, Greg was right to be suspicious. Dean had taken a prescription pad from the physician who ran the clinic, Lori, and he used it to acquire a narcotic called Stadol. Lori was contacted about the unusual prescription activity under her name and realized what had happened. She had prescription pads that were supposed to be disposed of, and Dean had taken them. She notified the police. Dean was arrested and charged with forgery, possession of a forged instrument, and possession of a controlled substance. He pleaded guilty to the possession of a forged instrument charge and was sentenced to three years of probation. He was ordered to go to substance use rehabilitation. During the time that he was getting treated, which was about six weeks, his business was not making money. His financial situation became desperate. 
After getting out of treatment, he started offering new services to the public, including removing just about anything off of the skin, including tumors that were potentially cancerous. Dean was not qualified to practice medicine, but he told people he was a dermatologist. Several reporters and the Attorney General's office started investigating Dean. In September of 2002, a journalist went undercover into Dean's office, pretending that she wanted to have a mole removed. She was accompanied by a cameraman operating a hidden camera. They captured Dean on the camera, claiming to be a physician. The journalist published a story about how Dean was a fraud in early October 2002. Dean was charged with practicing medicine without a license. He surrendered a few days later. Dean entered into a plea agreement where he would spend six months in jail and close his fake medical practice forever. He was supposed to cooperate with the Attorney General's office and investigate actual physicians who had violated the law. Dean pleaded guilty in June of 2003, but he was not due in court for sentencing until October. Dean used this generous amount of time to start working on his house so that he could sell it. He had tried to rent the house at one point. He even found renters who agreed to move in. However, their moving truck became lost in Newark, New Jersey, and they were able to see some of the surrounding neighborhoods. Like many people who see too much of New Jersey, they decided against living there. Dean was angry because he lost the renters due to a wrong churn, but failed to realize that any churn in New Jersey is the wrong churn. Dean's boyfriend Greg loaned him money to help him cover the cost of renovating the house, but Dean was still short on cash. Even though Dean was not supposed to be providing any more fake medical services, he had started offering more laser-type treatments out of an apartment in Manhattan. This takes us to the timeline of the crime. We move to April 13, 2003, which was before Dean pleaded guilty to practicing medicine without a license. A 35-year-old credit analyst named Maria Cruz had an appointment at 3 p.m. with Dean in order to get a condition treated with a laser. Specifically, she had a condition called black hairy tongue, which is also sometimes referred to simply as hairy tongue. This is a temporary and typically harmless condition where dead cells on the surface of the tongue make it appear dark and furry. Some of the factors that lead to this condition include excessive alcohol use, smoking, and poor oral hygiene. It's not clear what caused this condition in Maria, but it had reoccurred several times. She had been treated repeatedly by other people. Eventually, she saw an ad that Dean had placed. In rare instances, lasers operated by a licensed professional can be used to treat this condition. In preparation for the laser procedure, Dean injected lidocaine into Maria's tongue. This would reduce or eliminate any pain that she would experience. He either gave her a dose that was too high or she had an allergic reaction. Maria started having seizures. Dean knew that this was potentially fatal. He called a friend of his, who in turn put him in touch with a physician that she knew. The physician said, call an ambulance and get her to the hospital. Dean told the physician that Maria was regaining consciousness and he would ask her what she wanted to do. The physician said, do not ask her, get her to the hospital now. Dean hung up the phone without saying anything else. The physician wasn't inspired with confidence. He used star 69 to try to call Dean back, but the number was blocked. The physician didn't know who Dean was 
or where he was. He was unable to help. At this point, Dean realized that Maria was not breathing. He called his accountant, who advised him to call 911. Dean decided to go a different route. He allowed Maria to die, stuffed her body into a suitcase, loaded the suitcase into his 1996 Jeep Cherokee, and drove to his residence in New Jersey. As a side note, I'm surprised that Dean would be willing to risk his freedom on the reliability of a first-generation Jeep Cherokee. Trusting a mid-1990s Jeep Cherokee to get you where you need to go is like trusting Amber Heard's waste management advice. Sometime later, under the cover of renovations, Dean ordered more concrete than he needed and buried the suitcase under a slab in his garage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. The next day, his house sold. Dean moved into a neighbor's house. The neighbor was named Mark Ritchie. Dean was not a good house guest. He would wear Mark's clothing without permission and run the air conditioner all the time. Mark kicked him out of the house, but let Dean keep his belongings in his garage. Dean went and lived with another friend who also kicked him out. He ended up in a motel in Secaucus, New Jersey. In August 2003, Mark was cleaning his garage when he found a woman's purse in a suitcase which belonged to Dean. Mark looked inside the purse and found a driver's license belonging to Maria Cruz, as well as credit cards and a small phone book. He dialed a few numbers from the book. When he received an answer, he asked the person if they knew Maria Cruz. They said no. So Mark put the purse back in the suitcase and took no further action. During that same month, August, Dean was looking for houses and caught the attention of a neighbor who thought he was suspicious. The neighbor called the police, who arrested Dean after finding cocaine on him. He was released on bail the next day. 
This, of course, could have jeopardized his plea agreement. So even though he had hidden the body of Maria Cruz, he was still facing the jail time for practicing medicine without a license. On September 19, Dean flew to Costa Rica. His trip was funded by the money he collected after selling his house. In Costa Rica, he told people he was a dermatologist. On August 8, 2003, Dean was due in court to be sentenced for practicing medicine without a license. He did not show up. His court date was rescheduled. He missed the new date as well. A warrant was issued for his arrest. The police also wanted to talk to him about his appointment with Maria Cruz. Dean was nowhere to be found. Dean's former boyfriend, Greg, was contacted by the police. He told them about how Dean owed him about $85,000. Greg mentioned that the day before the house on Elwood Avenue closed, Dean was working on a cement project. The police visited the house on Elwood Avenue in early February 2004. They found a concrete slab that looked new. A week later, they returned with a variety of tools. They had a jackhammer and sledgehammers. As soon as they broke through the concrete, a foul smell struck them. They found the suitcase containing the body of Maria Cruz. She was identified because of a serial number on her breast implants. Now the police were even more highly interested in finding Dean. Eventually he was located in Costa Rica. He was arrested but fought extradition. He wasn't returned to New York until March 23, 2005. Facing a second-degree murder charge, he took a plea deal in October 2006. He pleaded guilty to first-degree assault and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Now moving to my analysis. Dean appeared to have a number of narcissistic and psychopathic characteristics. For example, superficial charm, a lack of empathy, grandiosity, self-centeredness, fantasies of success and power, being manipulative, and exhibiting chronic deceptive behavior. Here are my thoughts on a few items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Dean told lies to just about everybody he knew. A few examples. He was a dermatologist. He had trained hundreds of physicians in the latest laser techniques. And he had a civil engineering degree. I don't know why Dean believes someone looking for laser removal would be impressed by that lie. How much does somebody need to have removed from their skin where they're going to start thinking about getting a civil engineer involved? Item number two. Dean had specific ambitions as far as fame and glory. He told friends of his he wanted to be considered one of the most successful gay men in New York City. He wanted to be invited to all the best parties. It was all about appearances. He wanted people to pay attention to him, to recognize him as great. Item number three, even though people found him to be charming, some of them realized that he was actually exceptionally shallow. He had a superficial charm. There was no substance to him. He did not actually care about anybody. Rather, he just used people for money and anything else that he wanted. He presented himself as a complex individual, but his motivations were simple. Item number four, a major part of Dean's life was drug use. He had a particular affinity for cocaine, stadol, and alcohol. He borrowed money from his lover and never returned it. The neighbor that he lived with found things missing from his house. Dean was always trying to get money for drugs. Just an hour and a half before Dean killed Maria Cruz, she withdrew $400 from an ATM. Apparently, Dean had asked her 
to pay cash. When Dean realized that Maria was in trouble, he considered doing the right thing, but ultimately he was desperate to keep fueling his drug habit and wanted to stay out of prison. Dean was only thinking about himself, only thinking about how he could obtain more pleasure in life. Maria Cruz was just a source of cash. Dean easily could have saved Maria's life, but he chose not to. Moving to the last item, number five, many people tried to help Dean during his struggle with substances. Every time something terrible would happen to Dean, his friends would think, he will get better now because he has hit rock bottom. This is it. He can't get any worse. They had no idea what Dean was capable of. Dean took the phrase, you have hit rock bottom, as a challenge, and worked diligently to prove he could dig into the ground farther than anyone would have ever imagined. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.